0: Hello, good evening, welcome to uh, a well, a mid-pre-season uh, Man of the Post. We are here uh, post-Tour de France to discuss uh, Chris Froome's, um, the analysing of Chris Froome's data both before he joined Team Sky and after we joined Team Sky and to sit. Say- oh, hang on a minute, there's no Adam, is there?
1: No, there isn't any Adam.
0: No, so that's ruined that intro. Never mind. Well, you can tell by that noise we've got Mark. Yeah, hello. Would you like to talk about Chris Froome's data pre- and post-Sky? Oh, uh, well, you can talk about it. I can sit here and listen. I'm not really one
1: for keeping up on the hows, the whys, and where you injected it. I think it. it well, we can say
0: stuff, we just have to say allegedly a lot afterwards.
1: Ah, uh, so you think that there's allegedly more at play than just simple um, sporting excellence?
0: I think allegedly there might be a lot more at play than sporting excellence.
1: Well, I mean. Sport these days, we've, we've kind of got to go one way or the other, haven't we? And this, is, this includes football, but perhaps not too much to the same extent. Do we do we just say sod it and just let them take whatever they want? Or um, do we just ban everybody who's ever even looked at a can of Red Bull and and say that's a supplement and then anything that's not a natural product, then they've got to be banned? You well, know? There's, there's a case of that. now, aren't we?
0: Yeah, I mean, there is a case of that, because what is a cortisone injection if it's not to enhance your performance?
1: Well, that's true. Yeah, it, it gets rid of any pain and agony that you're in that's stopping you performing even to your natural level. So, yeah, that, that I suppose you could say that that is a performance-enhancing drug, I suppose.
0: I tell it what's quite interesting, actually, before we just do go into the football, is the fact that um, on ITV cycling, they're very much firmly... Um, it's very hard to see how they can get any commentating done where their tongues are so far up the backsides of Team Sky but mm. um, watching them yesterday uh, mention the fact that Chris Froome is joining the uh, sort of hall of G- fame of greats of Tour de France cyclists and reeling off a whole list of names but going out of their way not to mention Lance Armstrong
1: mm. I mean just again before we move away from that Team Sky makes such a big deal about their cleanliness in the in the sport and with the backing of sky television surely surely there cannot be any doubt or any reason for them to jeopardize everything based on everything that goes around cycling and of course the lance armstrong affair surely there is no need to take that risk even however slight or it is if they can if, if any team could hide what they're doing to their riders surely it's just not worth it
0: well, you would have thought not, and to um, to help them with their cause, they've got a fan in Brian Cookson, the head of UCI Cycling, who went out on a bike ride the other day, um, took a selfie and was wearing a Team Sky shirt.
1: Yeah, but I could buy a Team
0: Sky shirt, surely. Yeah, you're not the head of uh, World Cycling though, are you?
1: No, that's true, and it's been a long time since I've been on a bike.
0: <laughs> well, wow, yeah, same could be said for all of us, in uh, more than one sense.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know, you know, your missus <laughs> away for the week, to pass. got to pass the time somehow.
0: Well, yeah. Do you know what? There comes a point where you kind of just think, um, I can't be bothered with all that anymore. I'd rather sit and watch Rangers versus Stranraer tonight.
1: I, I know how you feel, <laughs> and now you've told me that Stranraer versus Rangers is on.
0: I might actually watch it. Uh, they got a pretty good team out, actually. Um, Rangers. They got Barton playing. They got Kra- I mean, Nico Cranchard God knows what he thinks. Running out at bloody. Oh no, they're at home, aren't they? They're away at East Sterling last week. Did you see that? I didn't. Your mate Chris Sutton was the co-commentator.
1: Oh, he's, he's just awful, isn't he? Like he gets, and I'm by far from the only person who thinks that the bloke is just a nightmare.
0: I don't like him anyway. I don't like him yeah. either. I, I'm, ta- I tell you, what, I'm taking a big dislike to Danny Murphy as well. He's like this generation's dour Loro, isn't
1: he? I know what you mean. I, I, there's a lot of pundits who are start off liking and thinking. You know, they, they they talk a lot of sense and they're not up themselves and so on, and Danny Murphy's one of them. But I think back into last season and into the Euros, what I did see of it, he was just irritating me slightly. Without saying anything controversial or stupid, he just got to that irritating phase. So maybe I need the, 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 the close season break from, from Danny Murphy's drone.
0: Yeah, he didn't sound very happy to be there, which, you know, if you do a normal job, you would kind of think, well, you know, I'd swap you.
1: That's true. I, I'm sure um, he'd he swap that for, uh, you know, sweeping streets or working in a call centre.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, well, anyway, speaking of getting new jobs, should we talk about Sam Allardyce? Who? Who? Big Sam. Hmm. Um, hopefully that means his um, parody Twitter cat, the big underscore Sam, will be back up and running, because that is one of the better ones.
1: Depending which media company run that one.
0: Oh, no, Really?
1: well they all all the things like that uh, if you set them up, for example, if you set one up, like I think the looted Brendan, you know the famous one, yeah, it was just set up by some guy and became so popular that um some media company or other I think offered him a bunch of money and he sold it. If he didn't, it certainly happened with others they're run by I can't even remember the name of the company, but there are you know all these big Twitter social media accounts.
0: Oh, this is like some kind of Dylan Goes Electric moment, this is.
1: I am sorry to burst your bubble.
0: (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Right, well, the real Sam, um, he's got a two-year contract to be the England manager. Um, Before we talk about him and England, um, should we try and dispel a few myths about him?
1: Um, I'd be happy to hear some of these myths, yeah. (laughs)
0: Uh, He's a long ball merchant. Um, He's been criticised by... Asta Wenger, Rafa Benitez, um, for his tactics. Remember Jose Mourinho as well in his 19th century football. Um, mm-hmm. I did a bit of reading and Lee Clark said that uh, he doesn't work on long balls, but when he was at Newcastle, he worked on set pieces and organisation, but not so much long balls. Is he a long ball merchant?
1: Um, no, because I think, I don't think, if you look back at some of his teams, if you, you don't even have to look back that far to, to Sunderland. You can't be a long ball merchant with playing Jermaine Defoe up front. If you go back as far as Bolton... Okay, Bolton played with um, Kevin Davis up front, but they also played with Yuri Durkayev, um Stelios, the winger, uh, and several uh, JJ Okocha. You know, quite a lot of good, talented players. And I mean, I'm still of the, I'm still quite an advocate of playing a target man and playing a 4-4-2, but that doesn't mean you have to be a long Bolting to do so. So I think you're right. I don't think these are... He's ever had a hit and hope Wimbledon-style team of, of the Crazy Gang era. I think it's more a targeted use of players in a particular system. And when you're defending, whether it's set pieces or otherwise, then they have a hard, organised manner. But that that could be confused with being long ball.
0: He said himself that um, I can't remember where he was coach, but back before he became a manager, um, he was working under John Beck. Um, mm-hmm. Frank Beck though I often confuse him with but that's somebody else um, he said that um, Beck told him just a bit, told him to tell the players to kick the balls into the corner basically you know the sort of style that he was famous for at Cambridge yeah. um, and Allardyce said he hated having to tell the players because he didn't think it was the best way to play he knew the players didn't want to play it yet you know he had to follow the, the, the sort of rules of the manager so it's obviously not something that he's comfortable with I think he knows I think he says there's a time and a place for playing a long ball but you know yeah. it's not the sort of thing that he he wants to be remembered for
1: yeah I I'd absolutely agree you can't play the same way all the time and there's an awful lot of snobbery about um, the way people set their teams up or or tell them they've got to play in a certain style just look at um, Diego Simeone in Atletico Madrid last year uh, and everybody beat out the mantra you know there's more than one way to win a football game and you know, kissing his backside because he, he he's in the hipster club, and you know everybody loves him, and and so on and so on. Um, so why is the rule different for him than it is to Allardyce? You know, there is a certain way of winning a football game that's different, whatever the opposition is put in front of you. And maybe Allardyce just uses what he's got at his disposable at his disposal to get the best results possible. Now that may not always be Barcelona football, but um, he. And one thing he might bring to England that perhaps we almost certainly didn't have under Roy Hodgson is we is to give the team a direction, a purpose, a, a start a sense of what what they're doing. You know, too many times under Hodgson, particularly in the Euros, it didn't look like the, the team had a clue what they were there to do, uh, what they were supposed to be playing. I think we got too confused with systems and formations and blah blah blah. Uh, and and I think that showed perfectly well on the pitch. Maybe Allardyce is going to clear the fog a bit and just say, "Look, you do this, you do this, you do this, and we'll be fine." Maybe that's the maybe that's the beauty and the simplicity of of Sam Allardyce that that can be brought to England because the players have brought this on. You know, we've we've had some coaches like Capello in the past who's done everything in the game and one of the greatest coaches that's ever ever lived, and yet even he couldn't turn a very good a supposedly very good group of English players, into a good team. So we've kind of, the players have kind of given us the coach we deserve, in a way, um, going down a rung, down a rung, down a rung, until eventually we get to what's supposedly the bargain basement, if you like, with Sam Allardyce. So where do we go from? We can't really go any lower than this, other than appointing a lower division manager. So what have we got to lose now?
0: Well, yeah, you're right in the fact that we might as well do. I mean... Uh... I think the perception is he doesn't exactly help himself by bigging himself up. You know, the whole thing about Mm -hmm. he would have been called um, Aladici if he was foreign and um, Mm -hmm. he can see himself managing Real Madrid. He's a man who says that he doesn't get bothered by criticism. You know, know, when Mourinho criticised him for his 19th century football, he said he couldn't give a a shite. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And he stuck his hands to his ears when the West Ham fans were telling him to play better football and all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, I think my favourite vine of him is when Chico Flores gave him the stare and he laughed at him. Yeah,
1: um, you're right. I think he probably doesn't care. In fact, I think he uses that more and more as a motivating factor. Which, being in this job, that, that you know he's going to get plenty of fuel to yeah, the fire there.
0: But at the same time, it's obvious that this long ball thing does annoy him. The fact that he sees himself as Aladici and you know he goes out of his way to say, actually, I'm not like this. You know, the world is all about context. And if I'd been manager of a decent team, then I could have play the mm. football that I really wanted. I think he must get to him a little bit. Um,
1: perhaps, but he does what he has to do he does what he has to do, given the jobs that he's offered and that he takes. So how many situations has he been in where he's not been firefighting? You know, you take the Sunderland job, you look back to the Blackburn job, um uh, where else? West Ham, you know, do on like a not not quite a red adair mission all the time, but there is no luxury in being able to develop another style. There, there is no endless pot of cash, so he makes do with what he's got, and and makes a probably makes his teams better than they are on paper.
0: Well, um Bolton, when he finally got them stable, that was when he could play the Acaches and the Jawkaiaps in the Elkers, wasn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right. they they were a regular top eight finishing team, weren't they, for two or three years? And in this day and age. I don't think that you can. Well, maybe in any day and age, I don't think you can be successful just lumping the ball into the corners, John Beck style. And, and again, you think how good that Bolton team were, other than when they were trying, they were deliberately trying to kick lumps out of the likes of Arsenal and Liverpool and so on, who were, you know, pretty superior teams at that point. Apart from those games, they they were as good as any other team in that league on their day. Yeah, and I don't to think to... he got enough, I think he got a lot of credit for being able to actually bring in players like Jorkaev and Okocha, but I don't think he got the credit for making Bolton play to to those players' strengths. I think people just negatively focused on the fact that, you know, Kevin Davis elbowed and barged his way around up front a bit.
0: Yeah, um, you know, he's been a top manager now, for or Premier League, Premier League manager, for, I know he went down a little bit West Ham, but for nigh on 15 years. Um Apparently, it was when he was out in Tampa Bay that he saw all the Pro Zone and he saw the um, the yoga and all the communication technology and the the, the statistical analysis. So, mm. he was quite a pioneer from that point of view. He he was doing all that long before other um, other managers were. I mean, I remember I seem to remember him having a little earpiece, um, chatting up to somebody in the main stand who obviously could get a better idea of what was going on. And you didn't really see that sort of thing before that, did you? Yeah,
1: I was going to mention that, that he had the old Madonna headpiece, didn't he? Yeah. And that would have been, like you say, 15 years ago. And the bras. Uh, well, that much I wouldn't even like to begin to imagine in my worst nightmares. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's um, he's been a little bit pioneering from that point of view. Um, sorry, I was going to say something, but I was sidetracked by my own bras thought. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't, don't say it again because <laughs> one of us is going to need counselling by the end of this podcast.
0: <laughs> um, all right, we're well, going on to um, England then. My immediate thought when we played that game against Iceland and, and the talk afterwards about who the next England manager was that we wouldn't have conceded those two goals against Iceland with Sam Allardyce in charge. We've got mm. a manager here who, um, you know, plays with strength in his reputation of organising teams and organising players. What wins you tournaments is really tight football, isn't it? Uh, scoring a goal and then not conceding. He's, he's an ideal England manager.
1: Yeah, I think more and more now the uh, the gap between teams uh, is shrinking um, in international football. And again, not even not even in the big games against the Germanys and the Italys and the Frances are games decided by the odd goal in a tight game. But they are in games against the likes of Iceland or Hungary or uh whoever it might be, you know there are no it's very rare now that you see England stuff somebody four nil five nil is it yeah, even in our- um recent qualification group the last few tournaments you know okay we've we've done well in qualification, but we haven't just turned up and whooped teams i don't think i think we've we, we've struggled and maybe pitched a couple of goals in the last twenty minutes to, to give ourselves a cushion, so I think that, that more, I mean look, Italy did well in this tournament with what was supposedly their worst ever squad to go to a, to a major championship. Yet they were very well organised and very well drilled and knew what they were doing. So it does count for a lot and I think that again, like I said before, I think that was a lot of the problem the whole way through Hodgson's time was we just didn't look like we had a plan and the players didn't know, uh, one of the, one of the faults of the players was they didn't know, that didn't look like they knew what they were doing. You know, because there was just such a confusion all the time about who's playing where, who's doing this, who's doing that, what's the formation, what's the style, blah blah blah. Um, and I also think that maybe maybe Hodge, maybe one the other thing that's going to be in Allardyce's favour that certainly wasn't in Hodgson's was his ability to either g the players up or make the ones who are not as good feel better and play better, play better themselves, but also to to perhaps keep the ones who think they're better than they actually are, bring them back down or bin them off altogether. I was going to say, so he's, he's no respecter of egos. And I think maybe Hodgson pussyfooted around one or two.
0: Yeah, he's refused to name Wayne Rooney as his captain.
1: Well, I mean, Rooney's international career should be over by now. He's been occasionally brilliant, uh, often useful, um, often terrible. He's got the record. He's got over a hundred caps. He's not ancient by any means, but uh, I think you can see it now in club, both in club football and international football that he's well past his peak and his usefulness, certainly, to England. I think it's time that that we moved on.
0: He's not going to play that deep-line midfield role anymore. He's not even going to play it for Manchester United, so his mm-hmm. only place would be, really, would be up front. And, of course, you know we've got... We've probably got one of our strongest um, positions is, is up front, isn't it? So we don't need him as captain. My thought, when I did think who could be next, I did think Cahill and I thought no. Um, I thought Eric Dyer.
1: I think it's slightly too soon for him to be named captain. But as you said, that the, there's not a huge amount of um, candidates. The ones you could perhaps say that might be elevated above those would be Smalling, perhaps, if he deems him first choice. Um, or Joe Hart, and Joe Hart's got a lot of questions to answer.
0: Yeah, you never have your goalkeepers captain.
1: Uh, it didn't. It's never hurt uh, Italy in a couple of World Cups, has it?
0: No, I don't know. I do because he's too far behind, isn't he? Plus, I, I played Jack Butland as well.
1: I know. I I'm, I'm just saying that if if if, if it was the same England eleven, perhaps who started most of the tournament, then for me they're probably the only two that would come in as captain if Rooney really was binned. After that, you are really struggling for contenders.
0: Can you imagine all that bloody tub-thumping that Joe Hart does in the tunnel? And if he was captain, it would be unbearable.
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, he's another one who's probably um, bricking it a little bit for his place in the team. He's got a lot to prove after, not just after the European Championships, but um, I think he's not had a great few years.
0: John Stones, England captain.
1: Um, John Stones needs to either show what he's worth at Everton, or get his move to Manchester City and also show, show what he's worth uh, and play well on a regular basis and perhaps even be his club captain before he becomes international captain.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, first game is a friendly versus Croatia, so he's definitely in at the deep end there, isn't he?
1: Mm, I was a bit disappointed about Croatia League getting knocked out of the tournament so early because there were times in the group stages I thought they looked fantastic.
0: Yeah, that was open for them, wasn't it? That Mm-mm. that second off. I didn't, we didn't do a, a post- Euros pod, are you happy, sad that Portugal won?
1: Um, a little bit sad because I thought, as a, and you know, it's not the first time it's ever happened in tournaments either, that a team who's underwhelmed in the group stages and then kind of snuck through in knockout rounds suddenly play two very good games um, or two very controlled games later on in this in the tournament and actually win. They were by no means the best team in the tournament. But the best team in the tournament never always wins. So, um, yes, I was a bit disappointed by, by them winning it. I thought, overall, you could you would probably say France were the best team throughout. Unfortunately, several of their key players didn't show up in the final. The, the, the soon-to-be world record transfer player being the prime example.
0: Yeah, the jury was very much divided on him, wasn't it, on Pogba?
1: He, I watched him a lot because I've seen a fair bit of Pogba, and sometimes he can look like the next Vieira, and other times he looks like, well, he doesn't look even close to that. Um, and I watched him a lot in this tournament, and I don't think he played particularly well. There could be for reason, could be reasons for that, you know. He, he can't he can't be brilliant every single game, but um, I was particularly disappointed in the final because he seemed to just walk through it nonchalantly, carelessly when his team needed more than anything and it reminded me back to the Euro 2000 final when the Italians were, were in command of that game against the French and the French were the best team in the world at the time and Zidane as he did in the 2006 World Cup in different stages basically pulled that team through to the, to the victory and that separates good players from the great players and, and that's, that's what really disappointed me about him in particular, but he wasn't the only one who who underperformed in that final.
0: Um, right before we move on from Big Sam, would you like some Big Sam trivia? Go on then. He, uh, as well as being a successful manager, um, as you can imagine from various Panorama documentaries, he's got a fingers in a few pies, isn't he? Um, he? has, yeah. He is uh, an owner of a pub, uh, a piano bar, uh, a motor, uh, a car spares firm. And believe it or not, I'm, imagine a picture of Big Sam when I say this. Uh, he owns a fast food restaurant.
1: All of those sound true and totally made up at the same time.
0: Well, <laughs> I did get it from Wikipedia, but the motor uh, the motor spares firm. You can just I can imagine that one, can't you?
1: Yeah, feet up on the desk, reading his uh, Daily Sport, as somebody comes in for a pair of shock absorbers is uh, in some old rusty porter cabin somewhere.
0: Yeah, with a load of Haynes manuals and a bookshelf behind him.
1: A Pirelli calendar. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Pirelli calendar with um, Karen... I can't remember. Brady.
1: Karen (laughs) (laughs) Brady. Better that than um, David Sullivan and gold.
0: Yes, can you imagine? Um, Right, well a couple of transfers that are done. I'm going to read quite a few names out here, so stop me when you come across one that you want to talk about. Um, I'm going to do China first of all, because... The biggest transfers there have been... um, You've got Graziano Pelle has left Southampton to go to China, as as has Papacito, but the biggest transfer of the window so far is... um, It's actually birthday boy today. Uh, It's Hulk, isn't it? Going from Zenit to Shanghai for £46.1 million. I said it's it's his birthday. He's 30 today. That's a lot of money for a 30-year-old.
1: It is, and perhaps that's telling that there's a lack of ambition on the behalf of the players who have gone there uh, and going for... Well, not that, not that most of those need any final payday, um, but maybe they've gone there for two years knowing that their next contract from the clubs they were leaving were either going to be worse or they're, they're, if they were going to stay in Europe, then their next move in Europe was going to be worse than their current situation. So they are sacrificing playing in a big league for the extra yuan or whatever it is that they get paid in China.
0: I don't blame them for doing it. It's a short career, isn't it?
1: Uh, no, but I think I think it's a strange. I think it's a strange move. It's perhaps even stranger than going to the MLS.
0: I'd, I was going to say I really wouldn't. Fanci- I don't fancy visiting or, or, let alone living and working in China. I would rather go to America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool have been doing some business in OAPs, haven't they? Have you seen this? Go on. They've signed Alex Manninger.
1: Oh yeah, he's the same age as me.
0: Christ, is it? Do you know what? Have you, I, I tell you what. Have you seen Alex Manninger?
1: Um, I saw a picture of him, yeah.
0: Uh, have you seen a recent picture of him?
1: Um, fairly recent.
0: Yeah. And I'm looking at your avatar on Skype here, and I don't wish to do you down in any particular way whatsoever, but if you're the same age as Alex Manninger, your lives have gone down very different paths.
1: I know, and I feel sorry for him too. <laughs>
0: um, and Kano Torre has gone to Celtic. Yeah, he'd be a good signing for them. Did you see his picture when he signed for them? no you know the same sort of face those ISIS prisoners have when they're in orange jumpsuits kneeling down mm. it was very similar to that interesting yeah it, it made Aaron Lennon appear happy <laughs> um, and Liverpool have also signed Giorgio Wijnaldum for £25 million and Saido Marni for £34 million pounds.
1: yes both absolutely crazy
0: um the money, the, the money signing, I can understand. Although it's just stupidly expensive. Winaldum, mm. oh, he scored eleven goals last season. From what I remember, four of them came at home against Norwich.
1: Yeah, the uh, Ryan um basically vanished after Christmas uh, for Newcastle. Uh, not, not the only one by any stretch of the imagination. But um, he, he never showed up for away games. He was absolutely anonymous. Um, he only played in home games so for for liverpool to pay 25 million pounds for a player who basically played 50% of the season at best was great business for newcastle
0: yeah definitely
1: they made 10 million pounds on him um, and i know all the prices have gone up with all this new television money and so on but still that w- that one was a baffling choice for me he doesn't fit into the mold either of the the player who runs his legs off for jürgen klopp in this um you know high high tempo pressing style that everybody goes on about he doesn't fit that. Um Mane, uh, incredibly, incredibly over overpriced. Um not a bad player by any means, but I don't think Liverpool need him. I think they've got several players of his type, um and the price was just mind blowing.
0: Um no, I think that's at least ten to fifteen million pounds overpriced. When when Adam is he a fullback? I can't remember.
1: No, he's He's kind of one of these midfielders who doesn't really have a position. You could put him wide, but he's more of a... and he's But he's not necessarily a central midfielder, attacking or defending. He's probably what you would call an, what would be the old inside left from donkeys years ago. He, he's kind of a midfielder without any real position. So again, it depends how Liverpool would play. I'm trying to think who who they would have in that position. Probably Coutinho. And he's not going to get in, into that unless Coutinho's going to be off soon. And I had read a rumour some time ago about that, but... Yeah, that's a strange one, Wijnaldum.
0: Yeah, I mean, Newcastle and um, Southampton have got some kind of transfer hex over Liverpool, haven't they? Mm. Uh, As Jamie Carragher said, he wished Liverpool were as good buying players as they were selling them.
1: Exactly, yeah. I mean, Liverpool, Okay, they're not poor by any stretch of the imagination, but they don't have the money to throw around in the same way that Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea do. Um, So to be shelling out £60 million on those two when I can imagine they could get one player of that amount who would make a huge difference to Liverpool, whether it be a defender or an attacker, you take your pick, um, rather rather than waste a lot of their money on two players who I don't think are necessarily going to improve them, either as a team or a squad. Um, and then they have to buy players then at 5 million to 10 million, which of course is not peanuts, but... You know, they bought this guy from Augsburg, Clavan uh, or Cavlan or something like that.
0: He's like the new Jan Conkram, isn't
1: he? I don't know. He kind of he looked like uncompromising centre-half is what I read. So I just thought, OK, he's a new Martin Skirtle. Um, so, you know, I, I, Liverpool don't have the money to just splash out on, on these players. I think they could have maybe bought one world, real world-class player and then kept the rest of their money to do something else with. And I think they would have been better off.
0: Yeah, um, they bought Matip back in January. He's coming, he can play defence. And Sacco's back now. Sacco annoyed me by choosing the number three for his new squad number. Right. Because he's a centre-half and the number five was free, but he chose three instead. Does that not annoy you, things like that?
1: Um, A a little bit, but I'm a traditionalist. Things like, um, was it the 1978 Argentinian World Cup squad? Um, they were numbered apart from the goalkeepers. No, apart from a couple of the star players, they were numbered one to twenty-two by alphabetical order. That's right. So Oz- Ozzy Ardiles was number one. Hmm.
0: That's right. Now that
1: now that's cool. Yeah. When you get players, you know, but going back to the eighties, Liverpool players often played in a number that wasn't relative to their position. For example, Ronnie Whelan was always number five. He wasn't a centre back.
0: No, these I I don't know. PK wearing number three for Barcelona, um, and Collini wearing number three for I think it's Italy wears number three for things. I don't know. They just annoy me. Not as bad as Zidane wearing five though. That was just uh, you wouldn't have him. Imagine him at centre half actually. Oh, he'd be brilliant, wouldn't he? I was just thinking you wouldn't want him there, but then I thought, well, you probably would. He'd be great.
1: Mm.
0: What a ball playing centre half he'd be.
1: Well, remember Hullet started off as a centre half.
0: Yeah, he did, didn't
1: he? Imagine He he was. He was simply. Brilliant at everything he did.
0: Yeah. Um, well, he's brilliant at looking like Craig Charles at the minute. Borough <laughs> <laughs> um, are the most active Premier League team. They've signed seven players so far. They've got Alvaro Negrelli on the load. That's quite a good signing, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah that, that, that's a decent signing for a, a club on the way back up to the Premier League. They don't have the millions that they used to have, relatively speaking. Um, so, uh, anything that they can do to bring in decent players is going to help them so I think Middlesbrough might make a good fist of the Premier League next year
0: I think they would they signed Valdez as well haven't they
1: yeah yeah and if he's if he's fit and is going to be the number one that could be valuable to them
0: yeah um, Kante's gone to Chelsea with £30 million um, what else have we got Jordan Ive Jordan Ive £15 million to Bournemouth
1: Mm. Yes, overpriced based on what he's done, but also slightly surprising as he was one of supposedly one of Liverpool's next generation of stars. He can play in a, sort of a couple of positions. Um, but I think that there's quite a few of these younger players who are... There was another one, wasn't there, that has left Liverpool recently. And, and another couple who have read uh, bits of gossip about that, that could be leaving. So may, maybe Klopp doesn't get on with everybody as the... You know the media portrays that he does. Maybe Klopp, he does have his spats with with players.
0: Klopp's first game when he was with Liverpool was away at um, Spurs, and on the pitch afterwards, you know, your sort of managers come on the pitch and shake hands and all that sort of thing. Mm. And he gave Jordan and I the most almighty slap around the face, um, which I think was probably meant in friendliness, but there was a, you could tell there's like a, probably a little bit of malice there. And mm. when somebody asked him about it a few weeks later, um, it was on it was on BT Sport a couple of weeks later. They interviewed Klopp and they asked him about it. Um, Klopp replied, "Well, maybe he's never had a slap like that before," and then he burst out laughing in the way that Klopp does. Mm. Um, so you and never know that
1: ma- maniacal laugh where his jaw self dislocates.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Uh, Achbar moves to Leicester for 16 million. That's not a bad signing, is it? Especially um, with Kantego. going. Yeah. Uh, Mkhitaryan and Zlatan to uh, Manchester United. Although Zlatan's involved in a bit of a spat at the minute, isn't he, with Martial over the number nine number squad number?
1: Yeah, there's only one winner.
0: Well, there will be, unfortunately. Um, Granite Jack has gone to Arsenal, and Nalito's gone to Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of will-they-won't-these. Pogba, oh, uh, Pogba is ninety up to £92 million, pounds, I think. Um, mm. do you remember, did you used to read the NME?
1: Ooh, 20-odd years ago, yes.
0: Yeah, the, one of their famous photographers, a guy called Kevin Cummings, I follow him on Twitter. Um, he's a Manchester City fan, and he said, "Imagine if we'd got rid of a player for nothing, and then bought him back for ninety-two million. Imagine what people would be saying about us." Mm. And it's true.
1: Yeah, it's um, didn't didn't Ferguson flog him because he wanted to carry on playing Paul Skulls.
0: I thought there was disagreements over his agent or something like that, wasn't
1: it? I don't, I don't know. I can't, rem- I can't remember. But I also think that perhaps Pog- at the time Pogba thought he deserved to play in that Manchester United team when he'd actually done nothing to that point. So, you know, Ferguson it was never one to be backed into a corner by somebody like that, was he, who demanded this, that and the other for no reason. So, you yeah. know, yeah, that, that's that's the way it goes. I think that's likely to happen, isn't it? It's, it seems to be that that's... It's just a case of when Man United hit the figure that you Juventus, Juventus won.
0: This is going to be... You know how there's always one transfer every summer, be it Bale or be it De Gea or something like that? This is this year's version, isn't it? Um, they reckon that the money they get for. You reckon that the money the Aventis will get for Pogba, they will uh, splurge out on Nemanja Matic plus £79 million pounds on Gonzalo, Gonzalo Higuain. Mm. You might as well cancel next season Serie A if uh, the latter one happens.
1: Well, you might as well anyway, because don't they, don't they win it at a canter most years?
0: Well, they started very badly that season, didn't they? Then they got something like 72 out of 75 points available and um, mm. won it by a mile.
1: Yeah. So, I, I, again, £79 million for Higuain. Decent player. Crazy money. But, yeah. It's just going to re- reinforce the as his dominance of Serie A. Do
0: you remember when Arsene Wenger was linked with him and he didn't want to go up another £4 million, so refused to buy him?
1: Well, he seemed to be linked to him for about five summers in a row, along with Benzema, one or the other. And, yeah, it seemed like the, the difference between getting them and not getting them was, was a couple of million pounds, perhaps. And they ended up going bargain basement on Giroud. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that'll learn them. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe they have learned their lesson because they've been linked with um, Amaru Cardi for £40 million, pounds, mm-hmm. who is very good, but uh, off the field, I don't know.
1: I think perhaps evenga has got some sort of blind spot when it comes to forwards. And, you know, he bought he, he bought Thierry Henry when he was still playing as a winger and converted him. But since then, it's not really been a great record, has it?
0: No, Shemak, Arshavin, not been brilliant.
1: Walcott, who's, mm. who thinks he's a centre forward but blatantly isn't?
0: No, exactly. Uh, Diego Costa I reckon could go back to Atletico Madrid um, Alvar Moreto will then go to Chelsea um, Riyad Mahrez to Arsenal he seems a very Arsenal signing doesn't
1: he yeah again great player uh, but they've got enough of those players yeah
0: um, well they've got their uh, rocky midfield now with Xhaka haven't they
1: Supposedly, I, I, I honestly haven't seen that much of him, so it'll be interesting to see if he, if he does fit the bill there of one of these type of players that, again, Arsenal have been desperate for since Vieira left 10
0: years ago or so. Did you see his quote? Arsenal were trying to make a big thing out of, it. obviously, you know, the, the player they've been missing in the last few years is this sort of Vieira player with some steel and kahunas in midfield. So they made a big thing out of a quote that Xhaka um, supposedly said. He supposedly said that even though he was the younger brother, he was the one entrusted with the front door key when coming home from school. Right. <laughs> I can hear the sound of straws being clutched. Um, Joe Allen has gone to Stoke for a medical, I think, hasn't
1: he? Yeah, that's been on the cards for a week or so, I think.
0: Yeah, um, and going to Merseyside will be Marco Ornautovic and possibly Kubilali from Napoli.
1: Uh yeah well the the on the on out of each one I did I hadn't heard of until literally 5 minutes before we started this podcast so that's a that's an interesting one he's a de- very decent player um if it's for a reasonable fee I wouldn't mind him in the team although again Everton have got quite a few players wide players who can shoot and you know get the odd goal so it's not necessarily top of our list but hey if he's available I'm not going to turn him down so how would you
0: uh, have that mid how sorry how would you have that Forward line, then, because I mean, are we assuming Lukaku's going to be there? It
1: doesn't seem there's a big stampede to Lukaku's door, however much he wants there to be. So, at the mo- if we assume that he is going to be there, I would say that in the I would say that Morales and Arnautovic might play, but there's also a chance that De La Feo could play in the front three if Lukaku gets the bin um, and we might not buy uh, like a, an out and out center forward type and we might play with three winger forwards if you like and and see how that goes but i mean Kuman had Pella at at um, Southampton with Mane and Tadic and whoever else playing like a three up front that way so i don't know it, and we've got Aaron Lennon as well could play that type of role so it seems like there could be f- five going into three there and that you know that's that's too many I, I think we definitely need to to strengthen elsewhere this guy Koulibaly, you know we're talking about 40 odd million pounds for him i can honestly say i, I i've seen him twice um looks good um anybody that adds steel to the Everton back four is a good thing
0: yeah okay um, b- do, b- do, b- do, um think that's all it for gossip uh, other bits of news a couple of bit of Tories comes to an end this week have you seen this
1: I haven't um, been keeping up with this though
0: no. two very uh, outside bets you've got Independiente Laval from Ecuador um, playing Atletico Nacional of Colombia it's 1-1 on aggregate at the moment the return leg um, in Colombia is what date we have two days time Um <laughs> One player to watch out for, uh, they think he's pretty much nailed on to go to Manchester City, although Liverpool were in for a bid with him at the mo- at, uh, sort of a month or two ago, is Marlos Moreno. Have you seen him? No. God, he's an absolute little beast of a player. Uh, mm. He's strong, he's skillful, um, he can score, he's quite unselfish as well. He looks an absolute beast mm. in years to come.
1: I think at the moment, um, I don't know necessarily know about Argentinian football, but I can tell you that in Brazil, Brazilian club football is a total mess. So it's not a surprise that teams from the bigger nations haven't done well this year and I don't know how that how they've gone in the last few years but um the, the standard of Brazilian football and you'd expect it to be Brazilian and Argentinian teams contesting the final on a regular basis um isn't that isn't that great so it's no surprise that you've got lesser known although Nacional in particular is a, is a club I, I, I've heard of, and I know they're pretty big, so, yeah.
0: Well, Sao Paulo got to the... I can't remember which one lost to which, but Sao Paulo got to the semi-final, um, mm. and I think that, that was the team that had Diego Lugano one who got sent off, funnily enough. Who mm. would have thought that? And then um, Boca Juniors were the other semi-finalists, and they lost, I think, something like 3-1 on aggregate. Mm. Um, so Tevez hasn't had the best of returns. No Um, Have you seen the farce with Manchester United and Manchester City
1: I saw that they were supposed to play each other which was quite a surprise um, in pre-season and that the game was called off because of waterlogging or something
0: Yeah it was on the the Bird's Nest Stadium where they had the um, Olympics uh, seven or eight years ago Um, Yeah the the, the pitch was waterlogged and also I think the pitch was coming up at the seams you know where the two sort of sections of turf meet it was coming up there so they felt they couldn't play on there Um, Jose had to move his press conference from the room where it was supposed to happen to on the pitch because it was just far too hot apparently Pep was uh, having to douse himself with a towel uh, during his own press conference so they moved it outside Jose wasn't happy some little wag um, tried to get him to sign a Chelsea shirt when he was doing a a load of autographs uh, and their plane was diverted as well. So one group of players got to Beijing, the other group of players had to divert because of bad weather and were held up for two hours in immigration. Yeah, that's the
1: perils of these daft foreign tours, isn't it? You know, while, you know, for example, I know Everton played Barnsley the other day, they played Milton Keynes on Tuesday night. Uh, not such a big deal um, to to travel to these places and you're not tripsing halfway around the world and go to different climates and different food and all the rest of it. Um, it's just a complete money-making I'm... exercise that I don't think has a huge benefit to the teams.
0: I've been to Barnsley.
1: And its I'm sure you weren't diverted because of bad weather or had to give a press conference out <laughs> on the pitch because it was too hot.
0: No, that's very true. Oh, God, did you see the bloody questions that Pep and Jose had to figure about shaking hands?
1: Uh, no, I didn't, but I can imagine...
0: Oh, I don't know what's worse—the fact that they had to be asked those questions in the first place, because you know, two grown men shaking hands, or the fact mm. that I, I'm assuming that they were asked the question. The people asking the questions were doing it under sufferance from their editors above to try and get a reaction. But God, mm. that must have been the most cringeworthy experience.
1: Well, yeah. we're living in the era now where football isn't a game; it's a stupid soap opera. Yeah, and those those two being the the the, the Bet Lynch and the JRU, and if you like, of the whole shenanigan. Who's who? I would say that. I would say that Mourinho is definitely J.R.
0: Ewing. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Squawker Talker podcast had a comparison between the two and who they thought was better the other day, so that's worth checking out. Um, been some preseason friendlies as well. Did you see the the, um, the Minnesota goalkeeper throw the ball into his own net against Bournemouth?
1: I did. That was a, a, a classic. <laughs>
0: um, I've seen that before. It was the Fair Islands goalkeeper, wasn't it? They did the same thing.
1: I've seen that. Tons of times on, you know, football's funniest moments on Sky One and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, that's an ironic term for a programme normally those are, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they're usually absolutely (laughs) Where they get some rent-a-mouth comedian to read a script about a sporting event they've never seen or they've shown on an iPad two minutes before they set the videos to record.
0: I think the worst one I saw was Rio Ferdinand voiceovering one. He sounded like, you know those people where they, um, you know, hostages when they read out messages? Mm. It sounded very much like one of those.
1: Yeah, you'd have to make me a hostage to listen to Real <laughs> f- <man. laughs>
0: yeah. Um Well, Bournemouth followed up their amazing 4-0 win with a 3-0 draw against Portsmouth at Fratton Park, uh, which our very own Emma went to. Um, baby Emma went to her first game. Uh, Arsenal drew one more Milons. Um Chelsea lost to Rapid Vienna, but then they beat WAC RZ Pellets 3-0.
1: Well, I mean that, that that's a that's a big scalp.
0: <laughs> uh oh you're playing in the Dresden cup aren't you? And you've got the Manchester United testi- uh, the Wayne Rooney testimonial.
1: Are we? I'm um, <laughs> I'm uh I'm a bit of a loss as to Everton's pre-season fixtures to be honest with you. Oh,
0: we've well, got Real Betis, Dynamo Dresden, uh, Manchester United and Espanyol.
1: Uh, and I knew about the Espanyol game, I, the rest I didn't know.
0: Yeah, Leicester City got a good one. They've got uh, PSG and Barcelona.
1: Yeah, their stock's gone up quite a bit, and they had Celtic on Saturday, so yeah. they're, um, they're, they're everybody's um, hottest ticket this summer, okay.
0: aren't they? Yeah, far cry from Hull City's North Ferriby United victory. Oh, don't don't diss the North Ferriby. <laughs> yeah. uh, some of these teams I can't even pronounce. um or Rizaspor, I'm presuming they're a Turkish team.
1: Rizaspor is Turkish, yeah.
0: Oh, are they? Okay. Uh, Liverpool, they've sort of warmed up a bit with games versus... Wigan took a pasting over the weekend, didn't they? They lost to Manchester United one day and then Liverpool the next.
1: The likelihood is they'll have played half a team in both. I should imagine... You know, half a should... first team.
0: Yeah, I should imagine they probably did. Um, Manchester United... Manchester City lost 1-0 to Bayern Munich and United lost 4-1 to Borussia Dortmund. Did you see that?
1: I saw the goals from that game. Um, that kid, Dembélé, looks pretty nifty, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, he's the one that all the t- he was the, the one who was playing for Karn or someone wasn't he and all the teams were after him for quite some mm. time mm-hmm. um, Stoke lost 3-0 to Burton Albion and then drew 1-1 with Preston North End.
1: yeah I mean uh, pre-season you can kind of take with a pinch of salt it also depends what teams he had out you know half a lot of these players remember were at the Euros so they, they those kind of people might have only just come back to training the middle of last week and they've had three or four days so the teams might have been full of reserves and a few youngsters and so on. So, at this stage, the Premier League teams, because they may also be a week behind Championship teams in terms of fitness and that, mm. um, I think you can take with a little bit of a pinch of salt.
0: We can forgive them, can we?
1: We can, yeah. Wait, wait to see what their last couple of results are before you before we um, judge too much.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll see that then. Right. Um, you've got a shout out for issue fourteen of the Football Pink, haven't you?
1: Well, we haven't even got to issue 13 yet.
0: Oh, okay. then you haven't, have you? So no, good.
1: no, that, that's going to be out um, roughly the start of the season, probably about a week, a week or so in.
0: All right. Can you give us any sneaky previews of what to look forward to?
1: Um, if I could remember, then yes. Um, we've got something about um, Johan Cruyff's time in Barcelona. Um, uh, a, a manager who is a little bit of a King Arthur type um, here, from France. Uh, a little bit about Rafa Benitez's um, revolution at Newcastle. A little bit of a, a poking fun at Steve McLaren. Um, and quite plenty of other bits and pieces.
0: Okay, so that's issue 13. Issue 14, you're taking submissions for?
1: Yes, we're going to be um, looking solely at Scotland. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think it'll be a cracker. Yeah, there's plenty of, um, plenty of interesting stories about Scottish football. It's uh, got a very rich history. Uh, very, it's very um, deeply ingrained in the culture as much as if not as mo- more than England so um, that should be a good one
0: okay um, and some issues are now available for free is that right?
1: Um, you can go to the website and download our issue 10 which was our 10 commandments issue some time ago back in I think October last year or early this year um, yeah you can find that on the website and just download that for free
0: Cool, okay, All right, well, um, that's footballpink.net, isn't it? It is, yeah. Excellent, right. Uh, I'm not sure when the next Man of the Post podcast will be. I'm sure we're going to do some kind of um, league preview in the next couple of weeks or so, so keep your eyes out for that. If they want to follow you on Twitter, how do they do that? They can follow me at thefootballpink. At thefootballpink, okay. Uh, uh, com is the website, at Man the Post is the Twitter handle for that. You can follow me at C Armband. Um Like I say, there will be a show coming out soon, Um pre-season one if you like what you hear you can rate and review us um on itunes which would be fantastic because every great review pushes at the charts you can do the same on ACast. you can download us from ACast as well as itunes as well and uh, so thank you so much mark thank you chris and all that remains to be said is always keep your man in the post Hello. Alright? Yeah, yeah, are you okay? Yeah, you fed and watered. <clears throat> I am, yeah. What did you have?
1: Uh, cottage pie. Did you? Yep. Homemade? Homemade.
0: Oh, you're, you're a looked-after man.
1: <laughs> Usually it's me who makes that, but today the wife did it.
0: Did she? Yeah. Oh, you've got a keeper there.
1: <laughs> well, she, some she behaves herself. <laughs>
0: Mine is, I'm home alone for a week. Oh, are you a child separation? Uh, no, sadly not. She's coming back. Um, uh. She's gone to Dorset with the kids, so I'm all alone with no children, just the dog. Fantastic. So it's just a wankathon then, yeah? Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> um, hang on a second. As soon as you mention it. Uh, I'd like to think that in, do you know what? this is like some kind of vision of how my single life would have been, because Friday night I polished off a bottle of wine, uh, Saturday I sat and watched the Tour de France um, quite happily, and Sunday I was pissed by half eleven.
1: Mm. Good times.
0: i got a feeling that if, I'd be a, a terrible alcoholic if I ever was single.
1: Yeah, I know a few single people who have, <clears throat> same age as me, um, who pretty much aren't you know, far off. They never stopped being 21.
0: (laughs) Well, that's all right, up to a point.
1: Hmm.